How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, you know, thanks to the beauty of editing, nobody will ever know that I flubbed the intro at least one time. Maybe more. Maybe more? You never know. That's you know, the- there's one of these things that whenever we do an interview on Skype, it brings up like this little box that says like, hey, we're recording. And it gives you an option to to say, hey, I'm okay with this or no, I want to leave the meeting. I've always been tempted to just like have that up for like most of the meet, like most of the recording session, then click leave meeting, like midway through you asking a question, just see how you would respond. You know, you're really just tempting chaos right here, man. That's all you're doing. Not tempting chaos, inviting chaos. That is true. Difference of semantics, difference of intention, difference of feeling you know i got you man i got you but you know what the feeling i'm feeling right now is excitement because we got a great episode today of course today is season five episode 29 in chronological order episode 124 now we'll get to our cover i'll think for a second but the reason why i'm super excited tim is because this is our season five finale and we got a special guest on the line joining us for today's episode our guest today is a previous third line plug i don't think she was a co-host but i definitely know she was on our second half recap a few years ago please welcome back to the show kelly gibbs barton kelly welcome back to the show how are you doing hi i'm good thanks good to be back good to be chatting all things sends again <laughs> yeah we're super excited obviously right out of the gate that you saw me flub the intro but i mean it's been five seasons i'm so used to it by now it's just eh, whatever certainly makes me feel better <laughs> That is true. That is true. And you know what's funny, Kelly, because when you were on last time, there was something that we brought up and Tim all week was messaging. I think he said to me, he's like, what embarrassing thing are we going to say to Kelly this time? Because I think when you were on last time was about the silicone nutsack injections from he read off the Vice article. And I'm just like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. God damn it, guys. <laughs> the best I could do is uh, worksheets talking about furries. I grew up a Tumblr kid, so I'm completely insensitized, desensitized furries. to furries at this point. <laughs> like, I, I've seen some I've seen some stuff on Tumblr over the years. I don't think much scares me anymore, even though I don't really use it anymore. You know, there are... Well, isn't it basically dead? Yeah, it, it got bought by someone and then sold and then bought and then sold. And at some point, they banned porn and... And everyone and their mother left. So, right. yeah. So it's kind of like what Elon Musk did with Twitter. Watching I mean, it. he hasn't bought it yet. He hasn't banned porn yet. That is true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can't really talk because he might potentially become my sister's boyfriend's boss. So, oh, so you better be uh, talking up his good graces on this podcast. He one hundred percent listens to. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, you know, because Third Line Plug is definitely on the high list of podcasts for Elon Musk, and now he's going to know what silicone nutsack injections are. So there you go, Elon. You learned something new. You're welcome. So Kelly, like I said, I'm super excited to have you back on the show, not only because this is your first time, and I had to check when the last time, I believe it was in the spring of 2019 that you were on the show last, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, God, was it really that long ago that we had Kelly on the show? Yeah, I was trying to, I'm so glad you actually worked out when it was because <laughs> I, I vaguely, I couldn't even really remember. I remember the house I was living in when we recorded, but I, I 
did not really remember much of anything else. So it's, yeah, it's definitely nice to be back. And uh, despite the long couple of years, I think everyone has had. <laughs> yep. It definitely has been. Definitely has been. Now, Kelly, one of the big reasons we're going to be get, we're going to get you to talk right now is because we need to talk about our season five finale cover athlete, Anton Volchankov. And just a little background about Anton Volchankov. He was drafted 21st overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2000. He spent seven seasons with the Ottawa Senators, recording 16 goals, 78 assists for 94 points in 428 games, before later signing as a free agent with the New Jersey Devils in 2010. Now, I understand, Kelly, when I brought this up in the pre-show, Breaking Cave, is that you actually did not know who Anton Volchankov was, correct? Yeah, so unfortunately, I think I still have a lot of, well, a lot of a lack of, uh, you know, knowledge with sort of older Sens, you know. I mean, I started, I started being a Sens fan in 2016, and obviously I know a little bit about the years you know, prior to that, because people were still talking about them. But I'd say probably anything earlier than like 07, 08 is kind of gone, <laughs> really. It doesn't really exist. So, yeah, obviously the name the name sort of rings a bell, but I don't know much at all about his his tenure with the Sen specifically. Volchenkov was one of these guys, like he wasn't like an Eric Carlson or one of these guys. He was probably more like, how would I say this? More of like, maybe like a Mark Mathot in a way, just a stay-at-home defenseman, well-known for blocking shots. But the main thing I always remember He's was... proto Artem Zub. Yes, that's a perfect example right there. Thank you. And well, they're both Russian, first of all, so that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. But Anton Volchekos, one of these guys, and even for myself, like I, I can only pinpoint one clear memory of him as an Ottawa senator, and that was there was the brawl between the Sens and the Sabres in 2007. And all I remember was I think the Sabres jumped Jason Spezza and Volchankov went off the top rope and like bear hugged the guys to the ice. I think the big thing that I remember is just during the Buffalo series, there were several almost goals on Emery that Volchankov just took to the shins. And that's just kind of his claim to fame is he was one of the last true stay-at-home defenders. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine the amount of pain he's probably in today with those with the amount of shots that he took. Yeah, because I unfortunately he was definitely on the last legs of his career when uh, he left Ottawa for New Jersey. Yeah, and of course he later played in Nashville as well. So he's very much like the prototype of Borvietsky as well. <laughs> I feel like you have to be a special kind of tough to constantly block shots. Like there are some people who just do it you know every game they're always literally throwing themselves in front of a puck and I'm just like that could end up anywhere that that could not be me it could not be me <laughs> oh it's brutal even watching some like and guys blocking shots that's not really much you see nowadays in hockey definitely in the late 90s or 2000s when defensive style hockey was more prominent but I remember one of the worst injuries I ever saw in my life as a hockey fan. I think there was a, I can't remember the guy's name. He played for Montreal, if I'm not mistaken. And he went down to block a shot and it didn't hit his legs. It didn't hit his torso. It hit him right there, right in the throat. What was that? Did that happen to Sheldon Surrey? It might happen to Surrey. It happened to another defenseman too. And that's a good question. I, it might have been Surrey, actually. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Because I remember like he was like, grabbing onto the ref like trying to struggle to get himself off the ice it was just like oh Ooh. yeah 
and it was like it was around the time where Berard took the stick to the fi- eye too. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Oh, it's brutal. You know, and this would like you know, Tim, this would be the time of the episode where I would say that we should plug next. We cover Ashley Pole, but unfortunately, we don't have a new episode of the Third Line Plug Sense Guest until the fall. But we are going to have some great players to talk about for episode 125. Now, moving away from our cover athlete, and one of the big things for today's episode, Kelly, is that we got to talk about the 2021-2022 Ottawa Senators second half recap. And we got lots of stuff to talk about there, but I actually want to get a bit of an update on what you've been up to since your last appearance in 2019. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Carl, so I went back to 2019. Um, so... Not really much happened in 2019 itself. I switched jobs. Um, and then in 2020, I think, obviously, was when everything just went crazy south. Um, I was originally actually meant to be coming on holiday to Ottawa in March 2020. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my flight date was a couple days after they shut everything down. Um, and I distinctly remember, you know, being at work and reading about all of this and thinking, am I going to be able to get to go back to Ottawa? You know, I'd had, I had tickets to at least two Sens games. I was going to be coming to see Sens versus Leafs. And then uh, one of my Sens Twitter friends, um, I don't know if she won tickets or if she just got tickets and she had a spare and she asked me if I wanted to go with her. So I was going to get a free ticket to, um, I think it was a game against Florida. Um, and I was also going to go up to, uh, I was going to go up to Montreal and watch a Laval-Belleville game as well. So, you know, I was panicking, like, am I going to get to a holiday? And sure enough, I had to cancel. Um, and at the time, because no one really knew the impact COVID was going to have, I just rebooked my holiday for July that year and was like I'll just turn it into a summer holiday I'll go to Canada's wonderland you know I'll go and spend some time on the beaches obviously that didn't happen either um and I ended up just just straight up cancelling my flights and getting the money back because around the same time that I sort of originally was planning to go on holiday I actually got accepted to a master's degree so I ended up starting that in um September of 2020 Around this time in England, we had opened things back up after sort of the first major lockdown. Um, England had started a scheme called Eat Out to Help Out, which was um, a way of trying to encourage businesses to um, get more money during the pandemic. So all restaurants were having loads of offers on, you know, like drinks would be cheaper, food would be buy and get one free. And the idea was that, you know, English or British economy would be greatly boosted by this. As you can probably imagine, that made everything 10 times worse. And we ended up going back into lockdown shortly after. So so that wasn't great. And yeah, so my my master's degree started off as blended learning. Um, You know, some some lectures were online and then smaller groups like seminars and tutorials were all, they were all in person. They all moved online. And yeah, so I did most of the master's just kind of cooped up in my little rented house down in Reading, which is where I was living for it. And it was horrible. Um, <laughs> so I, I completed all of my taught modules, all of my teachings, and ended up moving back to Leeds, which is where I've lived pretty much most of the time since 2014. Mm. I moved back in July because my boyfriend, he started his master's degree here in Leeds. Um, and I thought, well, I'm close to finishing it. 
you know, I've only got a dissertation left to write. So I moved back up to Leeds in, this was July last year. Still haven't finished the dissertation, guys. <laughs> I didn't really get much started because of COVID and I now work full-time. So I juggle being a part-time student with full-time work. And yeah, would, would not recommend doing that. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a really busy, crazy time. As you might have noticed, there have been no blog posts for well over a year because may, maybe even a year and a half to two years at this there's point. There's no time for it. There's, there's no time. I mean, my spare time out of work is devoted to uni and I go to the gym at least twice a week. And that's basically been my hobbies <laughs> for the past, you know, six months. So, yeah. But then again, you'll occasionally tweet about wrestling and that just makes me also happy. Yeah, so so I was I was quite big into wrestling for a really short time period. <clears throat> Sorry, as a kid. Um so my dad would always have like WWE on and I think I probably watched like a lot of it around like 2008-2009 and then just I don't know if my dad stopped, I stopped, whatever, kind of fell off a cliff with it. And then when I started dating my boyfriend, he is massive into wrestling. Um, a huge wrestling fan has been since he was a kid um, and so I kind of got like brought back into that so you know we're watching wrestling like two three times a week depending on the show you know we're listening to all the podcasts about it and reading all the reviews about it so <clears throat> I've kind of got like fully immersed in that as well does your boyfriend have an allegiance between WWE, AEW, any of the other promotions? We we typically don't watch much WWE. We do watch a lot more AEW, but that's I think that's mostly because it as fans we do kind of prefer the more like the actual kind of like sporting prowess side of things rather than like the kind of entertainment side of things. We did go and see um, some of the WWE house shows came to the UK. I think it was the end of last year so we did go to one of those and that was that was quite good but you could still see you know there was a lot of showboating it was very performance based you know rather than sort of actual wrestling based so yeah yeah well you're definitely seeing that with AEW too is that they kind of have a high um, mishmash of like old school wrestling but they also have a lot of the showboating where you have like an MJF or even yeah. Orange Cassidy would come out and just give it one of those and yeah <laughs> My girlfriend who doesn't even watch wrestling i've watched it a few times with her and she's just like where's orange cassidy is he gonna come out that's uh, the only reason she knows about him is because i always just send him the gif of that yeah she, she loves it she's just like oh it's an orange cassidy guy i love that yeah a little thumbs up yeah no it's 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 one of those things that i've just kind of yeah just become like weirdly addicted to um and we've even started watching like new japan stuff now as well so oh wow and that's well it's yeah it's I managed to watch quite a bit more um or listen to quite a bit more than my boyfriend because um I work from home a lot so mm. sometimes in the background I'll either put like music on or I'll put some YouTube on and there was a couple months ago where actually um I was off sick from work so I just watched like a whole of one of their tournaments in bed off sick it was great because it starts at like eight in the morning hour time <laughs> yeah, which would it, be like three it, in the morning uh, for you guys right yeah was it, was it Wrestle Kingdom yeah. No, some of those some of those wrestling matches they have in Japan is so good. So, so damn good. wrestling kingdoms just like, like that name just sounds good in Japanese too because being wrestling okoku. I'm like, oh damn, that's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. you should see the big trophy that they give at the end. It's amazing. 
Things, the thing's huge too. Like it's oh wow. Yeah. I, I did want to say one thing about wrestling though, is do you and your boyfriend watch Dark Side of the Ring at all on Crave? Yes. We've I've I've not seen all the episodes, but I think we watched like most of the most recent season together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I think news just broke this week that they're not bringing it back for a fourth season, which, uh, right to the heart. I did, I did read that they were struggling to get some of the um, like interviewees back on because obviously a lot of these people basically have to dish dirt on other people, and I think there's been like quite a lot of backlash that they've received for, you know, essentially like throwing people under the bus. <laughs> so that might be uh. why. Yeah, well, and I think it's kind of a double-edged sword because you definitely see it with a lot of the shoot interviews that you do on you that you do on YouTube, where if it's like, well, what's the difference between this and what they do for Vice? That's yeah. the way I look at it, right? So, I mean, you know, Kelly, that's the thing. I could talk about wrestling all day long, but it would only delay the inevitable that we need to talk about the 2021-2022 Ottawa Senators second half recap. Now, this past season for the Senators was one that seemed to mirror the previous one in quite a few ways. However, there definitely were some huge bright spots for the Ottawa Senators, including the first 30-win season since 2017 and two 30-goal scores for the first time in a decade. Overall, how would you rank the 2021-2022 Ottawa Senators? In terms of in terms of the actual year we've had or the team specifically? Just the overall year. I'm gonna give it like a good like seven, I think, just because it, it might be because the bar was so low. But <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this year, I mean, yes, we we've still we still keep seeing some of the same issues we've had for the past three, four years. But I think the fact that this year we've seen a few more glimmers of hope. And I feel like also with every passing year, I think the Sens fans and as a community just get weirder and funnier as well. And I think there is a lot of comfort to be found with other people and us going through the rebuild. And I think it, it just it just gets better to be a Sens fan every year, I think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a seven, I think. It's pretty good. I mean, I think for myself, given how strong the Sens finished last year, I think my expectations were rose a bit. And I was thinking, okay, I could maybe, maybe sort of realistically, I think at the start of the year, see him finish like fifth in the division. I did not see teams like Detroit and Buffalo jumping us, but that's not a bad number, to be perfectly honest. And I think, honestly, yeah. like I said, it mirrored a lot of ways because you had goaltending injuries, a big 7-8 game losing streak at the beginning of the season. but And long-term, long, long injuries to key players like Drake, well the entire top line basically you yeah. lost shabbat for over a month you lost batherson for a month and a half almost two months you lost How Brady long did we lose for? 16 games he, was out. he yeah. was out so it's like the fact that matters i think without those injuries ottawa probably would have ended up where we probably put them at fifth in the division yeah and, and not just um i'm sorry tim not just yeah. injuries but like we had that whole stint of where we lost like 11 players to covid protocol and we don't know how many of them actually had COVID or if they were just placed in the protocol. But we got absolutely decimated this year by the COVID protocol. And I was looking back from around the time that we obviously we lost so many players and we were just it was just losses, losses, losses. And I wonder if we'd have had like a full strength team around that time, would things have been a little bit better? Would things have been, you know, slightly improved? <laughs> Yeah, it's like us and the Islanders were probably the team that got screwed over by yeah. injuries and COVID the most. 
Yeah, but even looking at that time and when we lost 10, 11 people to COVID, I think it really also showed just how thin the Senators are without their top stars. And I think for myself, that's going to be a big thing of this offseason is that you're going to have to try and get somebody. I know a lot of people pushing for Claude Giroux, and I would be happy with him. I'd be happy if Claude Giroux came in the offseason. But, yeah, that's going to be a big, big thing in this offseason. Now, coming into this offseason, the main storyline from the Senators is going to be the pending RFA status of Josh Norris. And Josh was coming a guy coming into the season. I was really interested to see how he's going to do the full 82-game season, given how he played last year as a dark horse candidate for the Calder Trophy. I mean – I think it was not unrealistic to see him score 30 goals, but he was on pace to score 40, 45 this year. In regards to the Norris extension, what kind of a contract would you be comfortable giving him? See, this is the thing. I do not claim to be someone that fully understands contracts, but I, I mean, I definitely don't think he's, I definitely don't think he's quite up there at like Kachuk level contract. But at the same time, I think because he was so, because he was like, injured for quite a few games this season like we said we don't know what his production actually would have been had he been healthy like you said he could have hit 45 goals and that is grounds for a pretty good contract if you ask me especially on the Sens I mean I'd be happy signing him long term just because I think he is kind of a key part of our core now and obviously I would want to see him and Brady stick together, not just because they're best friends and things like that, but because they do have so much on ice chemistry. You know, you look at the amount of goals that they've both scored where they've had assists from each other. And you can tell that they're a really, really like sort of close knit duo and they sing really well together. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad at, you know, like seven, eight years. I think it would just, it would, it would be the dollars that I think, I'm, I'm not too sure on what do you yeah. guys think well I think based on I've seen um, multiple models so both evolving wild and uh, Dom's model peg Josh Norris at the Brady contract eight by eight and for a young for a young guy who I think is going to get better next year you do it and then you see what dollars you have left over for Stutzla but yeah. you have to keep open a, probably about 10 million for Stutzla. And that's the thing, right? Is that especially with Stutzla fully emerging as a one seed, like, do you think that's kind of hurts what Josh is going to get this offseason, right? Because do the Senators really want to pay $8 million for a potentially a second line center if Stutzla fully emerges as a one seed? Well, I think if you look at the Pittsburgh model where Evgeny Malkin and Crosby go, both get the big bucks, and you look at the Edmonton model where Dreisaitl and McDavid both get the big bucks. It's not a terrible way to go because your center kind of drives the line. Yeah. And this is, this is and another point. Batherson's on a fucking oh, value God. contract. <laughs> yeah. God. So you can afford to do that. Yeah. And this is, I think the driving point is that, you know, we are incredibly lucky that we have basically two people who are fighting for first line center position, but at the same time, it's, you know, I, I couldn't say who's going to end up as one one C or two C. Do they switch it up each? <laughs> do they switch it up each game? You know, I think I think rolling with the Pittsburgh model would not be a bad idea. And yeah. I don't think there is. I don't think there's an issue with you know. It's like oh no, we have two people who could be our top line centers. We basically have two top line centers. What a shame! But it, it's just the money side of things. Yeah. But we we don't know what's going to. I mean, we might be able to afford to give people more money now with, 
you know, the whole ownership of the sends up in the air. It might be the case that we have more money, for example, in signing bonuses to give people, mm. you know, just don't know what's going to happen. Well, based on what we heard from Boots Garriok, there's definitely money that's going to be coming available. Chris Tierney is not coming back. Victor Mete. Victor Mete is not coming back. It was heavily implied, and this is, we're probably going to talk about that, but we can bring it up here, that Nikita Zaitsev will be finding a new home this summer. So Gary Ock did bring that up during the question period uh, during the Florida game. Del Zotto, if they can find him a new home, they'll find him a new home. But that's about $10 million cleared up right there. And yeah. that's all just addition by subtraction because call it like uh, from what Bruce Garriock was sketching out, Colin White, they'll keep him. Colin White's a difficult one. I think it's, he is, he's so beloved by Sens fans and he's, he is a good player, but I think that contract still is, I mean, it's not the Nikita Zaitsev contract, but it's still not great. It's still not great. And I wonder if, you know, being ever so slightly burned by that contract might play into the Norris extensions and Stutzler extensions in the future. I wonder I if... think so. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I really because I do not. like... I like Colin White. Like, he's a good yeah. player. I think if he could ever just have a healthy season, he would probably be worth about $4 million. Play him on the wing with Stutzler, and you'd probably get something pretty good because, like, the guy has a very good skill set. We saw it when he played with... Mark Stone, if he he might not be able to drive the line himself, but if he's got a line driver with him, he's going to put up points. Yeah, and Tim Stutzel is a perfect guy to do this. And I actually want to move away from side stuff. I don't want to talk about Stutzel this year because, like I said in the top, I mean, this season really had a lot of positive things happen for the Ottawa listeners, but Tim Stutzel's meteoric rise to NHL stardom, I mean, that's something that single-handedly had to be the most positive thing to occur this season. Coming into this year, could you have even imagined the heights that Tim Stutzla was going to reach? I don't think fully, but I think we all had really high expectations of him. And I think the excitement that was kind of floating around, well, probably both the team and the community when we drafted him, I, I definitely think he's matched those expectations and succeeded them. But I, I definitely think that we were all really, really like hoping this would work out. And it did. So I think it's just, it's it's been so incredible to watch him just get better constantly. And especially moving into that, moving into that center role. Like he has, he's definitely improved since being in that, you know, in that position. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just been great. And, you know, even down to the fact that like everyone calls him Jimmy. That's, <laughs> I mean, you go from like Timothy to, to Tim to Timmy to Jimmy. It, yeah. Or Jimmy Stew. It's just, you know, when you get a nickname like that, the people love you. Of course. And I think the best, the best part is, is I don't think it's controversial that Tim Stutzla is the better player out of the 20, the 2020 draft right now. Yeah. Like Tim Stutzla has developed faster than Lafreniere, despite being younger. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also been one of these things where, and it's funny looking back, just, looking back two years, because Stutzla was seen as kind of the other guy between Lafreniere and Byfield. He was kind of like, I think people are like, oh, great. I guess Ottawa didn't land either one of those. And yet, were the one that hit the gold mine with Stutzla. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I have not, I don't know if it's the case that I've just not paid attention or if I've just not really noticed like the seasons that Lapinier and Byfield have even had. And Byfield's I don't just know been injured. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if that's just because of like circumstance or because obviously, well, at least with Byfield being a Western Conference, in a Western Conference team, you know, it's, you don't really get to hear as many stories about, you know, about players over there and you don't really get to keep up with how their seasons are going in order to kind of make those comparisons between players drafted around the same time. But I mean, I would have thought I would have like heard a lot more hype and buzz about Lafreniere. And I just, I feel like I haven't. I, well, especially in New York where he's just kind of another guy there, really. It's not like he's not, if he came to Ottawa, I think it would have been much differently because they didn't really have the talent around him. But I think when you have, you know, an Adam Fox and Panera and Zabinajad, you have Chris Kreiger, you have guys yeah. like that around him. And now he's just, another I do have to say though Timmy Stu is one of these guys that I absolutely love watching this guy play and even I got a chance last week in Vancouver to watch him and me and my girlfriend sitting there and I'm just looking at her like this this kid's 20 years old and he is dancing guys who are like much bigger much stronger than he is and he's just got some puck and goes come all right you want the puck come get me yeah yeah imagine what happens when he comes back next year bigger, stronger, and just as confident with the same, with just as much or more skill. God, he's yeah. going to be like a German I, Ivan Drago. <laughs> <sighs> That's all he's going to be, man. That's all he's going to be. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You want the puck, get the puck. Yes. So let's talk about the trade deadline because this deadline saw another wave of acquisition from teams and the senators were among them as they acquired Travis Hammock and Matthew Joseph. Despite the overwhelming negative reaction towards the Hammock pickup, I honestly think he's actually been a pretty decent pickup for the Senators. And I honestly didn't think that Matthew Joseph would merge as the top six forward he's been so far. And I want to get your take on this, Kelly. How do you feel that Pierre Dor or how do you feel about Pierre Doring acquiring both Hammock and Joseph? I mean, at the time, I feel like I think everyone was quite hyped for Joseph and not hyped in the slightest <laughs> for Hamlet. No, 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 no. And I feel like at this point, and this is probably a little harsh, but I'm, I'm very indifferent to both of them. Um, uh, I'll start with Hamlet first. I mean, he he hasn't done anything that I've noticed that has been horrible. But I mean, again, with the sense and with myself, the bar is low. Um, I feel like he's just kind of been there, which considering the state of some of the sentences is defense over the past few that years, just being there is pretty good. I'll take just being there. Cause I think sometimes we have had some defensemen that, you know, have been noticeable for all the wrong reasons. Whereas the, yeah, yeah. It's like, so I, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, it's like, so. um, <laughs> but the Joseph pickup, I mean, this is this, I'm, I'm going to be incredibly biased, but I'm going to be open about it. Like Nick Paul was probably one of my favorite sends. So I don't think unless we got Connor McDavid back for him, I was not going to be happy with whoever we got back. Um, and I've noticed, like, I was looking at the stats and since they've both swapped teams, they've both put up sort of similar numbers, really. I mean, I think he's a good fit on the Sens. He's been doing well, but he just, he doesn't stand out to me. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because I'm just sort of comparing him with the other, the other players we've got in our top six. But to me, I'm just I'm just very indifferent. Like I wouldn't say I've got a good word or a bad word. He's just hmm. he's doing well. 
Yeah. Maybe that's a bit harsh. <laughs> the weird thing about Hamannick is that he's been very good with Michael Delzato and an absolute unmitigated disaster with Thomas Shabbat. And I think it's Hamannick at this point in his career cannot play more than 20 minutes. I think if you load manage Hamannick, he'll be fine. But I hope that the Shabbat Hamannick experiment ends soon. I mean, dream Shabbat pairing is with Zoop. Yes. But it, it just, it often does not happen. Like Shabbat usually gets lumped with someone who, who I've noticed actually drags him down as well. Yeah, it's kind of like the when you put Branstrom with Shabbat, you would think this would be amazing, but they just never do it. Nope, they don't click. Yeah. It's weird, right? I do agree with Shabbat and Zoo, but I wonder if that's going to be the case next season when you have a guy like Jake Sanderson, JBD coming up, potentially maybe acquire another defenseman. I'm not too sure, so it'll be really interesting to see. Now, I want to close off this segment here, Kelly, by talking about our goalie situation for next season because – much like last season, the Sens went through a number of goalies last year. We didn't go through five, but we went through a couple of anyways. And their number one goalie situation at the currently is still kind of up in the air where Murray, you have Gus, you have Forsberg playing well in the net. Heading into the next season, how do you think the Sens should handle this? Should they go with Forsberg full-time or should we do a goalie tandem? I mean, I think – I still think our best bet is tandem. But for me, the problem is it doesn't feel like we've got a 1A and a 1B. It feels like we've got a 2A and a 2B. I'm not, I mean, it might just be the case that the team has kind of just fallen apart in front of both of them this year. But they have, they've not, in, in terms of at least Forsberg and Gus, I mean, I'm not sure if going forward into the, into the deep future at the moment, if either of them are ready to be a, you know, full-time, you know, first goalie Murray is an interesting one because I do wonder if he actually ever plays another game for the Sens just because of how rocky the last sort of well his time with us has been and then also his time before that I think I don't I'm not sure it's almost like he's got a lot of demons in his head that you know just kind of throw him off but I mean I don't I don't think since the cup winning, he's he's really had an on-point season. The hard thing with Murray, though, is the guy hasn't played a full season ever, I don't think. Sorry, the most he played was Pittsburgh in 2018-2019, where he played 50 games. Since then, it's just been weird short seasons full of injury, right? And, like, he got cridered to the head, and then uh, his last game for us against uh, Arizona where he got crashed and basically concussed and finished the game. Not a great game by the Sens. You can't really hang that one on Murray, but yeah. uh, that's the tough thing is like, can Matt Murray play an entire season? Is an open question? Yeah. And I think the thing is, I think, you know, it, it's a case of, can he make it through a whole season? You know, or, and even if he stays with us, like you sort of wonder is, is has the faith gone? I mean, I, I don't feel like it's his, his fault that, you know, it, it's definitely not his fault he's been injured. And I don't even think the way he's played is fully his fault. But I do wonder if there's going to be like a, so much doubt, not only in his mind, but from the organization's mind, you wonder if they just want him to start fresh somewhere else. 
And I mean, especially given, I mean, how many games did he play for, did he play down in Belleville? Two. Uh, only two? Yeah, yeah, then COVID shut the league down. Because of course it did. Well, I guess that wraps up the 2021-2022 Ottawa Senators second half recap, which can mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about some games. Now, we got three games on the schedule to talk about. We've got the Devils versus the Senators, Panthers versus the Senators, and the Sens versus the Flyers. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, guys, let's start talking about the Devils versus the Senators. This is a five to four Senators overtime victory. Devils scores were scored by Nola Foot with two, Pavel Zaka, and Igor Sharakov. Sharanikov. Close enough. Anyway. That's goes to Well, here's here's how it's here's how it's spelled. S-H-A-R-A-N-G-O-V-I-C-H. Like Sharanagovich? Sharanagovich, yeah. Govich? Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for showing me up, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's what that. we do. Sands scored by Drake Batherson with two, including the overtime winner. Tam And Hot Sambacho. Shot for 41-34 for New Jersey. A fairly even game overall. Both teams got a number of scoring chances early with Ottawa taking a 4-2 to two lead until Jersey staged a comeback, which would fall short in overtime. Tim, Drake Batherson, your He's boy. Back. Two goals on four shots. That has got to be one of the prettiest overtime goals I think I've seen in a long time. Well, that is, that's at the core. Drake Batherson stepping around two players, bringing the puck with him undressing the goalie into the net like i don't think i've seen a prettier goal in ottawa this season see i would have to say that i think the shorthanded goal that jimmy scored in this game was almost as pretty if not equally as pretty i've watched both of them a lot of times (laughs) (laughs) I, i yeah the the goals in this game it's it's, it's weird for me because I feel like a lot of Sen's goals are very scrappy goals. I feel like most of Brady Kachuk's goals are scrappy, somehow him falling into the net, you know, like, and I feel like some of Ottawa's goals the past few seasons have just been, how did that go in goals? So it's kind of nice to see like a game where I feel like all the goals were really nice with two of them just being like spectacular. Yeah. I mean, Timmy Stu in this game, two goals, two assists and four points of four shots. I, God, he's so dominant in this one. And even that goal, that second goal where he had the breakaway, just that little move where he goes from this and he opens the blade up. So blade goes from like an angle to this and then pulls it back and slides it in. Like I, it had shades of the goal he scored against Columbus. I was just like, oh, that's the signature right there. Yeah. And the fact that he's just confident enough to do that in a penalty kill situation and do it efficiently is a great sign for his future yeah and I feel like what I think we haven't mentioned but I feel like we also need to factor into some of these goals is you'd think with everything that's gone on with him lately with you know 
the abuse he's getting on Instagram and on Twitter, all the stuff, you know, even like actual, you know, um, sports media personalities are saying about him. You think that might have sort of knocked his confidence, but it, it hasn't. No monkey on this man's back. He is gone. <laughs> you know, he is he is still playing so well, given everything that's gone on. So, like you said, that the confidence is definitely there, and I feel like it's 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 only going to get better, and it's going to be great. Yeah, the only player I can really think of that used to do that move where he would just open the blade up a little bit to make the goalie move was Mario Lemieux. Mario used to do that all the time in the back in the late early nineteen nineties. Timmy Stu obviously isn't Mario Lemieux, but still pretty good. Thomas Shabbat had one goal on six shots in this game. And, you know, for me, it was just crazy seeing him mucking it up in front, given he's a defenseman. Yeah, and that's always kind of been Shabbat's thing is, like, once he's activated, he's almost impossible to stop. Unfortunately, he got stapled to Travis Hamadick and was on ice. That pair was on ice for all the goals against. I think this is the one thing that we, you know, we, we've said about like Shabbat is the issue is he just, he gets stapled to dudes and, you know, it, it just, it brings him his play down so much. And if we look at like, I mean, he still scored seven this season. Yeah. So yeah, you know, he, he can still put up decent numbers for a defenseman, but not when he's stuck to dudes and not that they're just, they're, they're just dudes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. They're just dudes on the ice, you know, and I just can't wait until we get either defensemen that we bring in or we get our defensemen coming up that will sort of relieve some of that from him and allow him to play to his, his full potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because definitely when, when Carl was here, you definitely saw that him and him and Mathot were together and they were together for a long time. I, I'm always feeling like, Ottawa needs to try to adjust that with Thomas. Like he needs a guy on the right side, whether you, maybe you put Sue with him full time or you get another defenseman in there. I'm not sure what the answer is. That's the only thing. And that's why I feel that this is why the Ottawa centers keep stapling guys to them because they don't really know what to do. There's Sorry. always two ways to approach a week, like strengths and weaknesses. You can nurture the strengths to try and cover up the weaknesses, or you can try to kind of ameliorate a weakness and stapling guys to Shabbat seems to like, be the latter way to go about it and i've never liked that sort of management no no because they've how many years have they tried this and it still isn't working shabbat sites have never again Tim. never again <laughs> now the final guy i want to talk about here is anton forsberg 37 saves a 0.902 save percentage don't have much to say just another solid outing for anton forsberg like you said solid that's not no real two ways about it. It was, it was decent. It was good. It was it was what we needed. I mean, obviously we we still let in goals, but again, I I barely think nowadays that that's fully on the goalies. Like if I look back across the whole season, I don't think I've seen that many goals where I've been like that was one hundred percent on the goalie. Yeah, yeah. I think there might be like one or two. But yeah, so not far many. in between, right? So well, I think in the New Jersey game there was. It was either New Jersey or the Florida game. There was one where Hamannick took Forsberg out of position. Yeah, it was this one where Hamannick moved moved Forsberg. Like Hamannick caused the goal. Yeah. Panthers versus Senators. This is a four to nothing Panthers shutout victory. Panthers scores were scored by Connor Verhage with two, Sam Reinhardt and Sam Bennett. Shots were 30-27 for Florida. 
Sam Reinhardt opens the score to make it 1-0 Panthers, whacking home the puck in the slot. Sam Bennett scores to make it 2-0. And Connor Verhege scores two to make it 4-0 Panthers, which would be the final. This was the Spencer Knight revenge game. We got knighted. Well, Ottawa probably should have scored three this game. And Norris got robbed multiple times. Like, this is just a game where Ottawa didn't really come out in the first, and then Spencer Knight took over the rest. Yeah, I that's one thing I, I took from the game. I was like, we we just got goalied. I mean, I still feel like, obviously, we could have put in a lot more effort, and I think it is it is it is really sad that we didn't even score a goal in the last home game. <laughs> it's like the last home game of the season and we got shut out. And like, it, it's also strange because we, looking back like this season, we lost our shutout record. You know, we, how, didn't we have like a shutout for like hundreds of games or something? Like not getting shut out. And then it happened once and then the whole rest of the season just fell apart. <laughs> Yeah, it was sad losing that record, but... It was so good. It was. Now, the only person I can really talk about here, I mean, Philip Gustafson, 26 saves, a .867 save percentage. Uh, I, I can't really blame him, to be perfectly honest with you. That's just me, so... Well, we are playing against the Florida Panthers. Yep. They score on command. And right. I think this is, this is, again, something I thought of as, like... I've noticed, and I don't know if you guys agree, but I swear the team falls apart in front of Gus more than they do in front of Forsberg. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it's, like we said, I, I don't think I can put a lot of the goals down to him. It just, it seems like the teams, the teams, I don't know if they're less confident in him or they're just less confident in general, but they do play worse <laughs> in front of him. Yeah. And then there's another thing very weird about the Ottawa Senators and back-to-back games. Most teams do very well in the first game of a back-to-back and then kind of peter out in the second game. The Ottawa Senators tend to play better in the second game of a back-to-back. It's almost like they coast through the first one and then play hard the second one. Yeah, yeah I saw that firsthand. <laughs> saw it firsthand, man, in Vancouver. Yeah, so and- I think this just might be that. Like, maybe yeah. the team is conserving energy in this. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, it, it, it was it was weird. And I mean, I, I'll, you know, hold my hand up and say I didn't watch any of this game. I was trying to stay awake for it. And I thought, you know, I just I cannot stay awake for this. And I, I don't regret. I, I don't regret not staying up. You didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I had to condense watch it because I was getting over a cold this week. But the final note I want to make on this game has nothing to do with the game. But the Ottawa Senators ended up tweeting out a post probably I would say an hour give or take after the game and it was about yeah to close out our season here's some of the favorite signs that we saw from the away fans and I was like oh that's kind of cool I'm looking at it and I'm like hey wait a minute it was a picture of my girlfriend and I in Vancouver still sad they didn't see the zoop sign that's I that's the only regret I have because I had the zoop there it is sign made up and I wish I'd used that instead Aww. but I had the Josh when I say Josh and Brady may sing the killers, but Brandon Flowers couldn't play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. See, if, if I can ever make it back across 
to Canada and get a couple of games in. Like I'm gonna have to pack signs. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to borrow someone's stuff and just make a bunch of signs. Yeah, because we had three of them made, and it's funny because like my girlfriend's a Calgary fan, so we went to the game the month prior, and we made signs that says, "My boyfriend wanted to see Brady. I want girlfriend. No, girlfriend wanted to see Matthew. I wanted to see Brady. She had a sign that says, "Here I am seeing Matthew." <laughs> <laughs> and the flames tweeted out that I was like, "That's that's awesome." Uh, I I do love it when when like um, team social medias get really involved, but not Vegas level involved, but involved. That's true. Although I do love what the Vegas and not Vegas San Jose did when they had the sign on the jumbotron. Oh so, no! Do you know that that was a fan? Really? So apparently, if you buy enough tickets all in one go, they give you the opportunity to put a sign on the Jumbotron. So this guy had bought like 10 tickets, having no idea about this. Like, I'm sure I read this. Like, this guy bought 10 tickets just because him and a bunch of his mates were going. Like, they were just going as a group to have like a laugh. And then they were like, oh, yeah, you can you can you can put up a message on on the screen, on the big screen. He was like, oh, can we? <laughs> yeah. That man chose chaos and I love it. Yeah. I mean and then and then Dallas did the same. But I don't know if it was Dallas that put that up or if again it was a fan. Well, Dallas is known for having a fairly cheeky scoreboard. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was just Dallas. I remember the one of the ones I always remember in Dallas was when this is after potential Ottawa Senators owner Justin Bieber got the mugshot, the infamous mugshot, and they put it up on the jumbo scrunch as noted Toronto Maple Leafs fan. <laughs> beauty by the way something we didn't mention in the devil's game is that justin bieber actually put in his instagram story the drake batherson overtime goal and everyone on twitter is like oh my god it's happening i mean it's a really nice goal yeah i mean it was a nice goal i know uh so good so good yo did you ever end up getting the justin bieber timbits no I, I, I couldn't, every time I went to a Tim Hortons, they were out. I think one of the people at work had them and they said it was just all right. Okay. I says, and I remember making the mention, I'm like, is, is just Bieber even still that relevant anymore that Tim Hortons would want to do that? I could see if they want to do like Ryan Reynolds or somebody, but. Jay Beavs is eternal at this point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. One of my friends got meet and greet tickets concert tickets to see him a little while ago and it was like 500 pounds or something so i'd say he's probably still relevant but i mean with regards to the timbits like obviously i didn't have any but <laughs> i know a few people that did and they said they were like they were all right some of them were pretty good but i think most people gave props to him for picking like quite unique flavors you know like there was they weren't really boring they were quite like interesting and i think people gave props to him for that for trying to be as innovative, innovative as you can be with donut holes. Right. I do got to ask Kelly, like when you were living in Canada for the going to school here, did you have a favorite donut from Tim Hortons or no? I did, but I've already forgotten which one it was. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I know the ones I didn't eat. But yeah, old no, fashion, I probably old fashioned I think, doesn't count. That's just kind of there. Hey. I think I did. I think I got like a. Did you was that? I don't know if that's got a name. I'm sure there was one that had like maple flavored icing on top. Yeah, maybe. there's a lot of them. Yeah, it, it was probably oh, one of those. Maple ones are garbage. The maple ones are so garbage. For me, I'm a sour cream glaze guy. I just find that it's not too sweet, perfect consistency, 
so good. Not being a Boston cream boy. I definitely did not eat those because they did not sound sweet enough. I saw sour and just immediately would have moved away. (laughs) No, they're sweet, but they're not like overpowering sweet. Yeah, no, I would go for overpowering. (laughs) If I'm, if I'm eating a donut, it's gotta be, it's, it's gotta be like, you know, really satisfying my sugar craving. Yeah, because if I'm eating like 300 calories in this stupid little ring, I better be getting something out of it. Right? (laughs) Like this is just pure utilitarianism at this point. Good point. point. Well, it turns out we got to talk about the final game for the 2021-2022 season. Sens versus Flyers. This is a 4-2 Senators victory. Sens was scored by Josh Norris, Travis Amanek, Brady Jachuk, and Austin Watson. Flyers goals were scored by James Van Reenstank and Owen Tippett. Shots were 36-34 for Ottawa. JVR opens the score to make it 1-0 Flyers. Josh Norris snipes home the Dechuck, the Dechuck behind the pat behind the net pass to make it a 1-1 game. Travis Hamanek hammers the home, the point shot to make it 2-1 Senators. Owen Tippett hammers the one-timer home to make it 2-2 tie. Dechuck scores to make it 3-2 Sens, and Austin Watson closes out the season to make it four to two senators which would be the final now i didn't get a chance to watch this game it was the brady kachuk show it he really was, was all over the ice one goal one assist for two points on nine shots and let me tell you i'm so happy to see he hit 30 because i think people into the season when that when they saw that contract first thought they thought of was like oh this is an overpayment he's not going to hit 50 points blah 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 he hit 30 goals yeah and Ottawa just hasn't had that in a very long time. We haven't had two 30-goal seasons since Spez and McCulloch. Yeah. And, yeah, we have Norris and, Norris and Kachuk. And if Stutzla didn't miss time, I wouldn't be surprised if he got he would get to 30 as well. Yeah. And Alex Formanton almost hitting 20 is more than you could ask for. 100%, man. 100%. So Kelly, what did you think about Brady Tushuk in this game overall? Yeah, I was gonna say it it was it was so nice just to just yeah, like you said, he was flying. And I mean his goal was great. It was amazing to see him hit 30 on the last game of the season. It was just oh, chef's kiss. It was perfect. But one thing I did notice was that his assist on that Norris goal, they they just made Provorov look dumb. <laughs> they just <laughs> I'm sorry, they just yeah. There was I, I don't know how long he probably ended up on the bench after that. It was, yeah. And like I said earlier, like those two have such good chemistry as well. It was just, it was beautiful. It was great. And I think, like you said, like hitting that 30 goals was probably so important to him as well, especially given, you know, the contract, the doubts people probably had before that contract. And then the doubts we all had when he got drafted. You know, I think this season he probably, you know, if there was any haters left, which I highly doubt there are, but if they were, if there are, I think they were shut up this season. Yeah, especially with how well he's played compared to the guy who was also available, Philip Zadina, where Detroit might just cut bait on him. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it has he played any games for Detroit? He had a like he had a full stint this season. Oh, okay. And it's been underwhelming. Yeah, but no, Brady Kachuk was a force on the ice, although prettiest goal probably goes to James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, that Pat yeah. Kachuk style. It was goal. nice. Yeah, that was beautiful. I'm going to say, I'm sure if Brady has any haters, they're just Matthew fans. 
<laughs> if Brady has any haters, it's just Matthew. Oh, oh my God. That uh, TikTok came out the there. TikTok. Yes, the TikTok. <laughs> my girlfriend loves Matthew. She, like, she sent me that. And she's just like, so I'm going to give this one. This is a two out of 10. I understand that you didn't really have time to uh, figure out that suit. Then there's this suit. 10 out of 10 suit, one out of 10 guy. <laughs> For anyone listening who, who hasn't seen it, it's basically just Matthew Kachuk did a TikTok just ripping on his brother and all his brother's suits and outfits. But half of them weren't suits. Some of them were just pictures of him when he was like 12. Oh. <laughs> and just or like Halloween costumes. And yeah, it was. Yeah. The, I mean, the one when he was like, I don't know, 10, he's just like, this one, that's 11 out of 10. It speaks for itself. Just, just move on. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't wait for Brady. If if the Senators do make the playoffs next year, I want to see the sequel where Brady's just watching all the times Calgary gets knocked in the playoffs. Be like, yeah, you got this one. This is a zero out of 10 moment right here. I mean, you know, he, he claims that he's such a good hockey player and yet this happens. So. <laughs> also, we got to see Victor Lodin. It was his first game of his NHL career and he looked okay. Like he got a few looks at the net uh, and he didn't get into the rounding error for expected goals for Ottawa. So he definitely had himself a pretty good game. Yeah. And I feel like for your first game, I think it's not just about trying to score a goal or trying to get points. I think it's just about not completely screwing up. Yeah. And he didn't. And granted he was on, his his most frequent line mates were uh, he actually got some time with Tim Stutzel and Alex Formington, but he played a lot with Castellick and Tierney. And yeah. he ended up getting more ice time than Castellick and Tierney, who only played like nine, nine and eight minutes respectively, while Victor Lodin got ten. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. And some power play time. There you go. Not bad. Yeah. There was one a few takeaways from these games that I wanted to bring up just so you guys can laugh at me, but the amount of players that I had no idea like played for the other team. So like I completely forgot that Joe Thornton was a Panther. Completely forgot that even happened. I didn't even have any idea that Martin Jones was a flyer until I realized he was in net. Like I don't even remember that trade signing, whatever happened. I thought was he was a in the AHL. Pickup. I thought he was in the AHL. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just I, I feel like there are there are some there are some deals that are so memorable in the NHL. And then there are some that you're just like, wait, that happened? Well, when Nate did Thompson's that happen? still on the flyers. Here's one. What about Derek Brazard? I didn't even realize he was a flyer. Where is he? Oh, he he's a flyer. Yeah. I mean, hasn't he been in hasn't he been on like 14 teams now? Or something stupid. Something like that, yeah. 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 Like, ever since he got traded from New York, he's played, like, a different team almost every year. Like, it's nutty. It's, I mean, it's 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 sad for him, but it's also good for us because it means we at least won that trade. Yeah. We didn't didn't win the original one, but we won that one. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Since leaving the New York Rangers, he went to the Ottawa Senators. In 2016, in 2018, he was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. In 2019, he was traded to the Panthers. In 2019, he was then again traded to the Colorado Avalanche. In 2020, he signed with the Islanders. 
in 2021, he was he went to the Coyotes. In 2022, he was traded to Philadelphia, who then traded him to Edmonton. So he's on Edmonton. Yeah. So in five, is that including Ottawa? Eight. That's five years, eight teams. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, the TSN crew will tell you, that just means that people wanted him. Yeah. Yep. But then again. Chris Whiteman's in Montreal. I, I would have never thought he's still in the NHL. Yeah, I was actually literally going to bring him up. I was like, you know, where's, how's he doing? And Mike Hoffman, is he in Montreal as well? Yeah. 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 yeah oh, Montreal. Started hockey players in Montreal. Take Hoffman, yeah. take him. Uh, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but can I just say how thrilled I am that Montreal did a send, but did it worse? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to come across as like when it was like really uh, what's that German word is it Schadenfreude Schadenfreude yeah that, yeah uh, you have a far better German sorry. accent than I do you know like we we went from effectively like you know Eastern Conference final kind of joint third I guess to second from last and then went from cup final to last they they, they did us but bigger We'll put an asterisk on their cup final run too. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's 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 nice to know that we're A, not the only team that does this, and B, we're not the worst at it anymore. Small victories, guys! <laughs> well, what I can't believe is that they out-tanked Arizona. I, the, I didn't think that was possible. The team I mean, that's we trying all, to lose. Yeah, I mean, we all, I think we were all surprised. Um, I know Taylor brought this earlier, we also brought this up earlier, that we were all surprised that you know, Buffalo did better than we did, um, and Detroit were doing better, but I don't think anyone had any hopes for Arizona. No. And then they still didn't even finish last. Remember, this is a team that had a tax lien on it. And they're currently playing out of, like, a college arena, or they're going to? Yeah. They're starting out of it. I'm, I am so tempted to just fly down to Arizona to watch a game. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny, Kelly, and it's something we brought up last week, is that, you know... We talked about the ASU thing with the Coyotes, but we also brought up the fact that, I mean, you look at NHL teams in the past have played out of like football state, like, like NF, like American football stadiums. Yeah. But they can fit like 80,000 people. The Tampa Bay lightning at one time, this is when like they were a third or fourth year team. They were playing out of Tropicana field, which is like this big cavernous dome. And it's one of the ugliest buildings I've ever seen in my life. And yeah, I think it holds a record right now, 36,000 people for a playoff game. That's insane. I mean, what I was thinking is like, I, I don't know how big the arena that Arizona are going to use is, but 5, I'm pretty 000. sure. Okay, so for context, um, I think the biggest arena used in the top league here in the UK, I'm pretty sure it's the Sheffield Steelers. Their arena, I think it's about... 9,000 capacity. <laughs> and bearing in mind, we, I mean, I say we, because the Steelers are kind of the team that I've sort of adopted. I mean, it's my, I mean, my city that I'm living in Leeds, it has, uh, it has an ice hockey team, but they're kind of in like, like the second division here in the UK. So you have like the elite league, which are like kind of top and then like Leeds are in like the second one, but like Sheffield are in the top league. And again, like, yeah, it's like 9,000 something capacity, I think. And I think the next one after that is like six or 7,000. 
I think, but I'm not sure who that belongs to. But yeah, so there are some UK arenas for, you know, teams where you might get the odd ex-AHL player chucked in there or something, maybe. Yeah. But most of them are most of them are homegrown talent or like European like import players, and we would have a couple arenas bigger than the Arizona Coyotes. Well, we talked well, with uh, well, what's getting Corey Boston right now? Week. Remember that Tim? When yeah, yeah. We were talking about playing with Fife, and he says, "Yeah," and this is like in the mid '90s, and he's like, "Yeah, we were playing in an arena that had curling dots on the ice." It was just like, "Oh," <laughs> and it had like the me- didn't have like glass like plexiglass. It had mesh. So he's like, yeah, you would hit a puck off it. It was a slingshot back into the play. Well, what I think is incredible is that somehow Britain decided, you know what we need in our hockey team situation or hockey leagues that is definitely like pretty low down on the pro league scale, multiple tables. Like that was a thing that was there. Like, yes, there's so many. There's like, I think it's, but they're kind of split. So I'm, I'm, my knowledge on UK ice hockey teams isn't actually that great. I'm pretty sure you've got like the elite league and then you've got the NIHL, which is like the national ice hockey league. And then I think below that it splits into North and South. And then there's like a division one and a division two. So it there's, there's quite a lot of leagues. Very British. Yeah, <laughs> it's it follows like a really it follows a very very similar system to like uh well, football. you guys would call it soccer, we'd call it football leagues. Yeah, it follows a very similar structure to that, and you know they're all they're all pro leagues. Like we don't, you know, we wouldn't have something like the sort of AHL, which is kind of a sort of semi-pro, semi like um developing league. Like we wouldn't have anything like that. I do got to say, though, I was looking at some of those teams in Britain. I got to say, that's a really cool Glasgow class. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, um, so the Elite League, I think, currently only has uh, 10 teams in it because one team went either, I think they went bust, and then the other team, their ownership was so bad and lost them so much money that they got into like real trouble, I think with the law and they ended up leaving the uh, top division and then just moving down to a different division. Oh, uh, right here. The uh, Milton keys. Lightning. Yeah. Yep. Milton Keynes. Also one thing that you will, one thing that you will learn about UK um, teams is a bunch of them share names with um, NHL and AHL teams as well. But the interesting is thing is some of the UK teams are older. So we have an ice hockey team called the Nottingham Panthers. Mm. I think they were started in like the 18-1900s. 46 according to Wikipedia, oh, yeah. but the Fife yeah. Flyers in 38. Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. That Actually, is really the Cardiff Devils might predate the New Jersey Devils by a year. Yeah. So 86. the the Nottingham Panthers predate Florida Panthers. Flyers predate flyers. It, it's mad. You know, I was I was of the opinion when I first started getting into UK ice hockey. It's like, oh, they probably named it after. No, they 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 did no. Britain had it first. <laughs> so let's sorry. Let's t- go back to this game here for a second. I mean, Anton Forsberg, thirty-two saves, point nine four. We're talking about a game. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This game's. I don't know. I'm just like, I got like one other. That's the only note. I've got. <laughs> 
why you guys should never invite me on here again. I feel like I derail things so much. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? If people didn't derail things, then episodes would be so boring. I think of all the guests we've had, and it's just like, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I like it. I think the time we got Ian Mendes to say fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I don't know, if, uh, Kelly, if you heard this episode. We did our season preview last fall. And we had Ian Mendes on to be our representation for Ottawa. So he's yeah. telling the story about when he and Brett Wallace were down in Tampa Bay doing a playoff game in 2006. And Wally and them are in the hallway. Wally's swinging his mic cord around. And he accidentally nutshotted Ian with it. And dropped her right in front of Martin Havlad, who was a oh. player for the Suns. So Ian Mendes decided that he was going to get his revenge on Brett Wallace. So he decided the next morning he would order room service, but he would only order a single glass of milk at six in the morning. <laughs> so it arrived at his door and next, the next morning Wallace comes into the rink going, who the fuck did this? And it's a story. We, then we got Brett Wallace on and we asked him about that. He's like, you know, I can't deny that this is not true. <laughs> But he's not probably wrong. Oh, man. Anyway, the game. Uh, that's too much too far now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I really don't have any other notes on this game, to be honest with you guys. I mean, my my biggest takeaway was just it was it was nice to finish the season on a win. I think if we'd have if we'd have finished the season on that Florida game, it it would have just been depressing. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we finished the season on a high. Brady got his thirtieth goal. We we won. Yeah, there's not much more, <clears throat> not much more you can ask for from this team at the moment. Actually, it was funny because uh, at during our season preview with Ian Mendes, he suggested that a pretty good comparable, at least point wise, for Tim Stutzla would have been Nikolai Ehlers. And uh, their second seasons were pretty much identical. I'll take that. I will 100% so, uh, take that. Very good prediction by Mr. Ian Mendez. So good, so good. So, yeah, I don't have any notes on these games, guys. If you just want to close out season five. Yeah. So, Kelly, we can't thank you enough for taking time on your schedule to join us for today's episode. Now, before we head off into the close, where can our listeners find you on social media? And where can they find your blog, That Hockey Lass? So, <laughs> so on Twitter, I am at That Hockey Lass. Um, and I believe, I think my actual blog is thehockeylass.blogspot.com. I think, going to be honest, guys, I haven't written on it in a long time. Um, but I am hoping to start up again next season just because for once I'm hoping not to have too much responsibility. Um, I feel like when I started my blog, I had a ton of responsibility and then I managed to pick it back up when I didn't. And then the past few years, I've just had so many things going on. But I really do want to get back into it because I do love writing about this team. I love writing in my own weird, unique way. I've I don't think I've sworn on this entire podcast, but I can reassure you there is a lot of swearing <laughs> in the blog. And <laughs> so I, I, I guess if swearing's your thing, then I'm your gal. <laughs> but yeah, and um, yeah, it's yeah, it's been great being on. I feel like there's one thing we didn't talk about, which 
if you haven't seen already, I, I do want to plug. It wasn't my thing. But um, the uh, hottest senator player voting closed a few weeks ago. So if you haven't heard about that, I suggest you uh, search mm. it on Twitter because that was an incredible wild ride that I was I was very pleased to have sort of voted in. Um, but yeah, and yeah, it's it's been a pleasantly optimistic season. And um yeah, looking forward to the next one and hoping we get we get more points. Um, also, one last thing, guys. As much as I loved closing out the season with two wins out of three games, I was still mildly annoyed that we didn't finish it on 69 points. That's fair. honestly that would, fair. Yeah. And I think someone worked out if we'd have lost both our last games, we'd have been at like a four, uh, not point four twenty as well or something like that. So missed opportunity the for the sicko send. Yeah, we were just too good. There you go. Well, guys, that wraps up season five of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8 WATE Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the games, our second half recap, or you want to give some feedback on Kelly Gibbs Barton's appearance here on the Third Plus Sensecast today, choose an email, Sensecast at gmail.com. I- I'm going to break up this outro for a minute. Why are there two teams in London called the Raiders? Raiders 1 and Raiders 2. Why? I, I couldn't tell you. I'm just saying there are there are, there are, I expect one of them is like in the the South a, Division yeah. One, and some of them is like South Division Two, like a kind of A team and a B team. Why? England. Well, you England. can't watch the Romford games, so we have more Romford games with different people. Why? <laughs> They're the same. It's just. Sorry, I've broken you. Oh, Lord. Until next season, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. This is Vintage Jets Team. Go, sir. And I'm Kelly Gibbs Barton. (laughs) You've officially broken him, Kelly. I hope you know that. It's like the fucking SpongeBob movie where it's like, I'm going to open a Krusty Krab 2 next door to the fucking Krusty Krab. No sense, guys. What are you holding on? Yelling up at the stars above you. What are you holding on? Say you.